We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And, Jack, we got some good news on the Nets front today. Is Kevin Durant becoming a New York Nick? Uh, no, he is not. He signed a four-year extension with the Brooklyn Nets today. One of the biggest moments in franchise history. We're going to jump into that. Plenty more. As always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, what was your reaction when you saw the tweet from Woj? Four years, $198 million extension for Kevin Durant with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, elation, Nick. You know, immediate elation. Um, everything else about this offseason and everything else about basketball in general, you know, the boomers, you know, not winning a gold medal. It, it all went out the window because the Nets have one of the 10, 15 best players in history to step foot on a basketball court. Will likely, if not most likely, retire with their franchise. You know, it is nothing. This this might be one of the biggest, if not the biggest day in Nets history. And obviously we have to wait and see how it all pans out with James Harden and Kyrie Irving. But Kevin Durant, what we saw this season from him, the commitment that he's shown to the franchise, it, it is uh, a, a vote of confidence for not just, you know, Sean, Mark, Steve Nash, but the organization as a whole. And what this means for Brooklyn as a as a, as a franchise beyond just Kevin Durant is, is big. The ramifications for it, um, the status of the Nets, the, the the Houston Rockets trade, their status as a as a team going forward. I think Kevin Durant, you know, obviously 32 will likely be 36, 37 when he does uh, this contract does complete. But when it does, you know, I I, I think Kevin Durant's still going to be a pretty good player if we look at some guys like Chris Paul. As well as LeBron James, but yeah, Nick, elation. I was just absolutely ecstatic, and you know, it, it, you can't not be when you have one of the best players ever. And we saw like you know Kawhi Leonard doing an extension, all these sort of things. Uh, elation, and also a bit of a surprise. Um, I, I don't know. I want to hear the, just. I want you to sort of recount the story um, of where you heard the news because uh, I had a bit of a chuckle when uh, you told it to me off wax. Yeah, I mean, I was at the gym. I was doing some lifts. I was already lifting heavy for the day. I was like, oh, I already lifted heavy for the day. Yeah. The, the weightlifters out there know. Like, there's the days where you go and you lift heavy, and then there's days where you're like, all right, I'm just going to the gym type thing. I was lifting heavy. I was feeling a little beat at this point. I was like on my fourth workout. Got the KD news, juiced up, ready to go. I was ready to run sprints at the gym. I mean, I think like 
if you really look at it big picture wise, this is an franchise altering contract extension because yeah, it's great. Kevin Durant was in the door. Great Kyrie. Great with James Harden. Who knows if they're going to be here? Obviously we had the confidence they were going to get the extensions, but at the end of the day, anything can happen. This guarantees the nets are going to be a franchise in the NBA. That's at the top for the next five years. Kevin Durant is that type of player. He's that big of impact on your organization in long-term wise. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets franchise is still relatively new. Obviously, they were in New Jersey, but we're talking just Brooklyn. This is really how you make your print in the city. Like now the Nets, all these kids that are growing up, we've talked about it previously. Like they're looking at the Nets. They're looking at these superstars, they're looking at Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden. What can these guys do? And if they win a championship, which I think they will probably win multiple championships if everyone can stay healthy during the span. I mean, this is going to change the legacy of the Nets franchise in general. Like, to an extent, they were a laughable franchise. You know what I mean? They've been to the finals twice. They've never won a championship. Not necessarily a ton of amazing players in their history in terms of Hall of Famers and, you know, all-time greats. And now one of the all-time greats, a guy that could possibly get, you know, pretty high in that top 10 all-time list is going to be with the Brooklyn Nets for the next five years, at least contractually. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's Jason Kidd, you know, Julius Irving, those are sort of Kenya Martin. These are sort of guys that immediately come off the bat when you think of New Jersey slash Brooklyn. Um, but now it's Kevin Durant, Nick, and Kevin Durant is automatically the most talented ever, and he might be the best ever by the time that contract ends. Um, for the record, the four-year, he did, the obviously he had a player option at the original contract, which now is eliminated, and is yep. replaced with the four-year deal, which is uh, as follows in terms of um, compensation. 21-22, it's 42 million, 22, 23, 44 million, 23, 24, 47 million, 47.6, sorry, uh, 24, 25, 51.2, and 25, 26, 54.7. He's going to earn every single cent. And Nick, I, I sort of alluded to, to a little bit. And uh, look, before I, I in fact, I, I want to talk about, I guess, the, the legacy and what this means for the franchise overall. Is this the biggest moment in, in franchise history for the Brooklyn Nets? Where does it rank, I guess, in terms of like, you know, there's been conference finals in the past in New Jersey? There was obviously the signing in the first place, the clean sweep, as it was mentioned. I don't know what it's going to be called now if we get, you know, James Harden to re-sign as well as Kyrie Irving. But where does it rank for you, Nick? I think it has to be top five. You know, it's hard to be top three just because I think the initial clean sweep is like you have to get the players in the door. Like you can't get the, get to this point without the guys being here. And then obviously being to the finals twice, like that has to be a moment for this team. You can make an argument, maybe Jason Kidd, you know, deserves one of those top five moments as well. Or maybe, you know, some of the big plays we've seen in the playoffs over these years in terms of New Jersey net stuff. But I, I would put this in the top five, because like I said, I think this is legacy altering for the Brooklyn Nets franchise. And this is really how you can kind of elevate yourself as one of those destination franchises even when Kevin Durant is gone you know they play in Brooklyn they play in New York City one of the biggest markets available and if the stars have success here and obviously Joe Sy so the owner Sean Marks so the GM those things carry on or even if it's just pieces of the team that continue to carry on it's just going to continue to have a very very big impact I, I was ecstatic like this I was very, very happy today, and it was not expected. I expected the extensions. I didn't expect the four years. I expected a one-plus-one or a two-year deal or something along those lines. So the four-year, 198, obviously we've seen Kevin Durant. Not a ton of Brooklyn Nets uniform, but the small amount we have seen has been extremely enjoyable. Yeah, and it's only going to get better from here. And the way you know that he may be remembered for his, you know, in his personal legacy could be as a Brooklyn Net, which is – Incredible to say, because I think that 
what we've been used to as Nets fans, and I know there's much more greater long-tenured fans than I, you know, that listen to this podcast, but the gen, like you sort of mentioned, the general malaise and mediocrity that, that was originally associated with this franchise before Sean Marsh, before Kenny Atkinson, before Kevin Durant, before Kyrie Irving, before, you know, winning happened to this franchise. And obviously New Jersey had their moments as well, but what it does now is, you know, it, it allows you to also reset going forward because it, 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 when Kevin Durant does retire, by that point, who knows who could be on the team? You know, it could still be, you know, the superstars going forward, but, you know, Cam Thomas could be something. Daron Sharp could be something. You know, there could be another superstar who's out and you're Joe, Joe Harrison and Claxton and the trade player exception uh, are offloaded for someone else. So the way that this means for the trajectory of Brooklyn going forward, like you mentioned, you know, in a, in a city where it's always New York versus Brooklyn, New York versus Brooklyn, Look, I, I'm not saying that... I think that if we're comparing it to, I guess, the LA rivalry, I think the Brooklyn Nets have a much better, greater footing, even though they have, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and have had some success there too. I don't think it compares to, you know, Kevin Durant in, in the overall legacy he has left an imprint on that he's left on this game. Kyrie Irving and the stature that he has as a basketball personality. And the same with James Harden too. Obviously, it is going to mean championships, Nick. You know, and uh, if Kevin Durant wins... Two championships, you know, I think he'll be remembered as a Brooklyn Net. If he wins one, you know, I, I, honestly, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But I do think it is pretty bloody cool that one of the best players to ever step foot uh, on the hardwood um, could be remembered as a Brooklyn Net, despite the fact that his career and endless accolades with other franchises, are, you know, there are plenty of them. Yeah, and I think also just like reversing that is like, you'll think of the Brooklyn Nets, you know, 25 years from now, and you'll think of, you know, who's their best player, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, Dr. J obviously had a small time with the Nets. I think KD is probably going to be better all time than him. And I think his impact on the franchise and getting back to your point about like Clippers versus Lakers comparison to Knicks versus Nets. It's also because the Knicks are, you know, they're a playoff team, but they're not a championship caliber team. They don't necessarily have that superstar. They have a star maybe in Julius Randle and some other guys and now Kemba Walker being there, but it's not superstar face of the NBA type player. Like the Nets arguably have two of those guys. You know, if Kyrie were able to stay healthy over the last couple of years, you could argue maybe he'd be one of those guys as well, but still the impact. And we talked about this a lot when KD and Kyrie initially signed, like these are two of the most popular players in the league, not necessarily the team perspective, but just from the fan perspective that kind of follow a specific player. You know, you have diehard KD fans, you have diehard Kyrie fans. Yeah, it's funny because I got in my Facebook memories the other day, an article I wrote for OTG in 2017 about the changing fandom of the NBA. And yeah. it was about, you know, player fandom versus franchise fandom. And, you know, I've you know my I've always been franchise fandom in whatever sport. You know, I think that yep. uh, it's more fun as a fan that way. But I don't besmirch anyone who just loves Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and chooses to follow them wherever they go because um, there's a there's an enigmatic nature to these guys that is undeniable. And uh, the fact that Kevin Durant, the best of these three, Nick, you know, it's not. Yep. I think he. It's almost just going to be you know when the dominoes will fall for. You know, the other guys, you know, when is it when is it going to happen with James Harden? You know, obviously he's you know, busy hooping with Gerald Green and hanging out with Little Baby and everything else. Kyrie Irving obviously is fixing up those Kyrie 8 shoes and, and, and hanging out with his missus, making sure that everything goes well with um, the birth and stuff. But yeah, this is absolutely massive, Nick. And I don't know, did you have a bit of a chuckle because uh, what was it, two hours earlier or an hour earlier, Stephen A. Smith was on first take talking about the fact that Kevin Durant was going to be coming to New York for some reason. I guess he forgot about... Uh, the quote when he was asked by a fan randomly in the street, hey, Kevin, when are you coming to New York? Never. 
I think he forgot about that. <laughs> I think he forgot about that one, Nick. He might have might might have forgot about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't really pay much attention to Stephen A. I was just I thought it was kind of ironic in the sense that. Nets Twitter was going nuts. They signed DeAndre Bembry, worst offseason ever. They fell <laughs> off the, the face of the earth. Like, oh my God, what is Sean Marks doing? Joe Sy is so cheap. Well, now, now you guys can chill out a little bit. KD has signed the extension. I don't think Joe Sy is cheap. He just put out a ton of money to Kevin Durant. So I think uh, I would be very excited about what's happening. And obviously, there's other elements that can still happen later for the franchise in terms of moves made. And also, just kind of getting back to what you're talking about, Jack. This is KD's team. Like, that's kind of been evident over the last year or so. You know, Sean Marks has made moves that make Kevin Durant happy. You know, be it trade for James Harden. You know, add Brian Keefe as an assistant coach. You know, even Steve Nash being the head coach of the team, he's a guy that has a great relationship with Kevin Durant. And this is the first franchise that KD's ever played for that has been like, you know what? We're going all in for you. This is your team. You know, I like another team, and I wish they treat their superstar player the same way, but they haven't. So... You know, Kevin Durant, I think most people could figure it out. Kevin Durant is getting what he wants and he deserves it. And I'm happy that the Nets are treating him the right way and he's going to get his money and he's going to get his team. And he has a chance to really dictate his own legacy because we know what he can do on the court. It's a lot of those other elements that kind of sometimes hold a player back from being the best version of themselves or even just getting the respect from the rest of the league, you know, the fans, whatever the media, whatever it is. I think now KD's in an excellent position to be, you know, the elite version of KD, hopefully, if everyone can stay healthy. Yeah, it's funny. We talked a little bit about, I guess, just what Kevin Durant is and um, where he, he sits at in terms of, you know, his his individual journey as an, an NBA player and, and as a person for that matter. And we talked about it a little bit in the quotes that he had with Patty Mills and stuff. And it just feels like Brooklyn is a fit for him that people probably didn't necessarily expect. You know, yep. when he, whenever he talks about the, the choice and the decision, he's just like, oh, obviously Kyrie Irving had a massive influence to play alongside one of his best friends. Uh, but he's also talking about, you know, the, the black and white, the, the hoops, the culture, you know, just, you know, just, just hoop and just go home and play video games and do all these sort of things. Brooklyn, the, Brooklyn gave him a franchise which has made him feel like home, you know, and I think yep. that all of us, not to, I, I, look, no, stuff it, we are going to get a, bit, a little bit existential about it, but we're talking about one of the best players and uh, the, the franchise overall here. We all search for that belonging, for that sense of home in, in whatever sense or fashion, Nick, whether it's in, you know, talking about a podcast with a, a good mate of mine or whether it's, you know, in our friends, in our family, Cameron, the, the franchise and how it's been catered towards him. You know, you, I think you make a really salient point about that. It was just like, well, Kyrie Irving was the one that was healthy initially. You know, he's a, you know, Garrett Temple was a, a signing that was apparently made to not necessarily appease him, but it certainly didn't hurt it either. But now this is what happens when you cater towards your franchise superstar. Kevin Durant, you can tell by the, the nature of how he's playing in Team USA, the nature of how he's playing, the quotes that he's having after the game, you know, the the mentorship that he's seen, the, the sort, that sort yeah. of role that he's taking on within the Nets franchise and the NBA overall. You know, he's talking about Jason Tatum being the goddamn best scorer in Olympics history, uh, sorry, Team USA history. Meanwhile, he's just broken the, the record himself. You know, yeah. he's it just seems to me that he is in a good spot and, I don't know Kevin personally. I goddamn wish I did. And, you know, I might know some of his tweets and he might know some of mine. But <laughs> um, at the end of the day, uh, this is a, a, a momentous occasion and, and a podcast that I'll probably have to re-listen to a couple of times just to, um, you know, have a bit of, it's going to be a nostalgic one. You know, it's sort of like re-listening and re-watching some of the live ones and the reaction ones are after really big games, after the, 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 yep. the clean sweep and such. But 
Uh, this is a huge occasion for the Brooklyn Nets franchise, and um, there's probably some big ones to come as well on the court as well as off the court. And uh, this is, and, and the fact that it also happened, the timing of it, Nick, you know, just before Team USA are going for Golden, what is it, a couple of hours' time? I can't, I yeah. think it's actually far away. Um, it's 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 massive news, absolutely huge, um, gargantuan news uh, for the Brooklyn Nets for Kevin Durant, and um, it is a, a massive, awesome day for Nets fans everywhere. A hundred percent. I mean, like you said, Jack, this is a day definitely we're going to remember just because of the impact it's going to have on so many different levels. And I mean, it looks like Kevin Durant's going to be in the Nets records books. He's going to probably break a lot of those records, have a pretty big impact on the franchise like we discussed. Now the question is, you know, what happens with the other two? Do they follow suit this summer? Do they wait, you know, to next summer? Because there's possibly some benefits to that, Jack. What are you thinking on that front? Yeah, look, I think that it's it's intriguing. I'm not totally sure. I, I expect James Harden to be the next one. That's just yep. a, a rough guess. And you know, there's some Harden followers on Twitter and stuff that you know I, I trust when it comes to general James Harden news, and they seem to be pretty in the know of it. But this is from Chris Mulholland of Nets Daily. Harden can get an extension for up to three years, $161.1 million. Irving can do for four years, $181.6 million. If, and obviously, we know what um, James Harden left on the table by choosing to come to Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's going to have no issues with money. They're, they're getting all these guys again generational wealth, and they deserve it and more uh, for that matter. Uh, but also, if Irving does uh, decides not to ink an extension this offseason, he is eligible for a five-year, $235 million max contract deal in the 2022 offseason. So a difference of over $50 million, 50, around $54 million, um, it's a it's a big difference, Nick, and it's sort of like with the Boston Celtics when he had that f- first initial extension um, with them, and, and it's just you know you don't want to, and it's like with Anthony Davis and all these sort of guys are just like, well, it makes more financial sense, and he's going to get it, but at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me um, if he does decide to leave a bit of money on the table and just go, okay, I've made all my money. I've uh, we know that I don't think material possessions and worth is something that is high on Kyrie Irving's list, but at the same time, you want to maximize your earnings to the to the greatest extent. But we already have seen, like I said, Anthony Davis in the extension that he signed with the Lakers. If he had awaited a season and done a one plus one, he could have yeah. you know got an extra 50, 60, however many million dollars. Ultimately, security might be a, a bigger factor for him. But there is that little tidbit um, that I thought was really well put out by Chris Mulholland. So Harden, yeah. likely to be the next one. What are your thoughts, I guess, on Harden versus Irving? You know, are they both going to sign? What do you think? Yeah, I think you're spot on, Jack. I think it probably Harden is next. I mean, three years, one, what was it, 161? Like, that's over 50 a pop. And then you're looking at, you know, Kyrie, it makes more sense for him to kind of wait next. So, hey, I think that's likely to happen. And obviously, Kyrie's probably the most indecisive of the three. So, you know, maybe that could lead to something and him being unsure. I'm not, you know putting out reporting anything i'm just speculating here so it just seems like james harden would probably be next or they all could do it at the same time because like you said at the end of the day every contract that we just mentioned is extremely large life-changing money and i think they all are pretty at least it seems like they're all pretty happy in the situation they have in brooklyn and the opportunity to win and the environment seems pretty fun uh, one thing i also just will say as a sort of general point these max extensions are 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 underpaid. They are value for money because 
the way the the CBA and the lug and the roster constructions and everything that's restrictive by that on an open market, what these guys would get, you know, if we were in a, a free for all sort of soccer international football style system, would be out of control. Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, eighty million, hundred million dollar numbers, you know, Jack really shorter numbers. So it's and and for the record, in saying that as well, Nick, you sort of touched on you know Joe Sy paying the luxury tax. The Nets are currently projected to spend $296 million next season in their payroll and luxury taxes. Second highest number in NBA history, trailing only the Golden State Warriors. So, yes, I've had my issues with Joe Sign. Yes, he goddamn better allow Sean Marks to do the TP, use something with that TPE as well. But he's putting his money where his mouth is. Uh, but wouldn't mind a little bit more at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... The second most in NBA history is nothing to kind of just look at quickly. I mean, I think that's a pretty big deal. But at the end of the day, like you said, and we talked about it on the last show, it is a return on investment. Like if the Nets are successful, they have win these championships, the value of the franchise is going to go up. I mean, it's going to go up by billions, too. It's not like we're talking about small numbers here. So I think you look at that perspective as well. Obviously, when the Nets have all these guys hopefully extended, their salary cap, their books are going to be insane. And that's where it's going to get really difficult to kind of find guys that felt this roster. But you hope, you know, you continue to win and kind of make yourself a destination. Then some of these veteran minimum guys that we've seen, you know, a few sign with the Nets, a lot of them sign with the Lakers, some sign with the Warriors, like that type of thing is what we can anticipate probably more so in the future too. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. 
My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Yeah, and, and look, I think we should touch on a little bit about the ramifications for the James Harden trade and the picks that you know, Houston got in return of that. And obviously for those playing along at home, they got three unprotected first-round picks in 22, 24, and 26, and then three swaps in 21, 23... Sorry, four swaps in 21, 23, 25, 27. Now, the only ones that I guess are going to have a semblance of value, Nick, could be the picks and swaps that are in 26 and 27 because we've got Kevin Rand signed up for all those other years, and you expect if he is healthy and fingers, toes, and knocking on wood, all the different superstitious things here, that the Nets, those picks are going to be in the 20s. And... Yeah, that, this is why picks mean nothing in the grand scheme of things. It is about superstar talent. And yes, picks allow you to get superstar talent, but they do not guarantee it. What guarantees you superstar talent is getting a Kevin Durant, a James Harden, a LeBron James. Um, and this is... Uh, this. I think that when we announced the trade and we talked about it, we'd, we're like, okay, we're going to reflect upon, you know, if, are these guys going to re-sign? And the fact that it's just Kevin Durant's, you know, alone, it's just like, okay, it's all good now. If you we could can... only pick one, that'd be the one you pick. Exactly, yeah, because he's the best player out of all of them. Um, and I also think he's probably going to ace the best out of all of them, yep. uh, to be fair as well. Uh, that's a question I might ask you after, too. But what do you think, I guess, um, you know, if you're a Houston Rockets fan, you know, we had Dalton Pence on, you know, one of the great Rockets fans that we know uh, on the draft episodes. Um, what does this mean for them, and how does it make you feel as a Nets fan in terms of the compensation that we've had to give up to acquire the beard? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the James Harden trade is a steal now. You know what I mean? And obviously, the Rockets didn't want any of the players. They just wanted the first-round picks, and they essentially are nothing at this point. You know what I mean? They're late first-round picks. Not to say you can't get any players, and they're not tradable, but now a lot of these swaps aren't even going to happen because there's going to be no point to actually swap the pick because the Nets are going to have a late pick. And the Rockets, no disrespect to them, I don't see any a route for them to instantly become a good team. Like, yeah, they have some young players in-house that can develop, but they're still years away from even probably sniffing the playoffs unless, you know, they make some type of drastic move or one of their young players just really pops off. Yeah, look, and the it's like with OKC and New Orleans and stuff, you know, it's about the success of the other team that depends on their picks and you know, yep. the protections around it and, and all those sort of different things here and there. So, look, ultimately... the control next... your own destiny. Yeah, and look, Ultimately, they could have had Karis Avert, they could have had Jared Allen, you know, they could have had, you know, all these other sort of pieces. They could have asked for clacks, but, you know, the like you sort of mentioned, Nick, it's an absolute bargain, a steal. You've got a generational superstar uh, in Kevin Durant, you know, James Harden, likely to re-sign at some stage. Um, it is, you know, great, a great thing for the Brooklyn Nets franchise. And you know Sean Nice is going to find a, a way to find picks in some vain or fashion, as he has done basically every season, you know, in some form of trade or, or, or package or, or whatever else it might be or, or buying them. Um, the, the, this is a, a great thing for the Nets and, you know, it, it helps you sleep a little bit easier at night because I think that a lot of people would have been like, oh man, it's a lot of picks, it's a lot of swaps and it's just like ultimately the currency now, it's like, you know, crypto, you know, the whatever Dogecoin has just gone down $400 because, you know, goddamn... Um, What's his name? The, the Tesla Elon dude. Musk. Elon Musk goes on SNL and, and spews some dumb shit about the currency. Well, Kevin Durant re-signing has done the same thing to the value of the, the Brooklyn Nets, a package that they gave up for James Harden. 
A hundred percent, Jack. I mean, I think you nailed it right there. I mean, at one point I they thought nail it a little bit, but thank you for, for helping me get there. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just like the overall concept of what you're saying, though, like yeah. the value, yeah. it was it is a point where you're like, oh, this could be really high. It's like when you buy a stock at a certain point, you're like, oh, this could go up or it could drastically drop down, and that's what happened. It drastically dropped down for the Rockets, and obviously there's still some value in the picks because first round picks you can still bundle together and hopefully get you know the player that you want to get, but. It's not a great return on value right now. No, and I guess before we move on to some other free agency news, and that I think a lot of other people might decide to switch off the podcast at this point, <laughs> ultimately couldn't care less. Uh, if that's how you decide to do it, guys, this is the big news of the day and of the year, of the offseason, uh, to be honest. But um, any other things, I guess, tidbits you wanted to touch on with Kevin Durant, Nick? Um, no, I'm just extremely happy. Obviously, it's a big moment in Nets franchise history. And, you know, I think it's something we'll probably continue to discuss. This was kind of just like the reaction of it. But I think you'll see even like bigger impacts of things. And I think also just it gives you a lot of conf. If Kevin Durant has confidence in Nets franchise, Sean Marks and Joe Psy, then a lot of the fans probably should, too. Uh, absolutely. No, no doubt about that. Um, and, and I think that what this you know, the decision behind it, I'm looking forward to, you know, post-game after a gold medal, you know, or yep. in a couple of weeks' time, whenever he decides to speak about this decision, you know, hearing the reasoning behind it. Um, I, I want to hear from, you know, the horse's mouth, as the saying goes, and, and why Kevin Rand chose to to tie his his legacy, to tie his career to the Brooklyn Nets franchise. And look, I don't necessarily... I hope it's something, it, like, really basic. Like, yeah, they just let me chill and hoop. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I can't wait to analyze the quotes to the nth degree like we do um, with so many other uh, news points. And, yeah, I, I, it probably will be, to be honest. Uh, I just think that the, the way Kevin Durant is, and I, I think there was a great New York Times piece on him a couple of months ago, just talking about him, delving into a side of his character that I don't think a lot of other reporters and, and media have had the chance to do where it's just like he's just searching for, like all of us, searching for fulfillment in some form or fashion. I sort of mentioned the semblance of home and all those different sort of things. But, you know, the Nets are giving him that environment that allows him to do that. They're, they're putting the people around him uh, that allow him to have comfort, success, um, and all these different sort of things. So um, the way that the, the franchise is catered towards him, Sean Marks especially, Joe Sy especially, um, you know, there has to be a massive tick for those guys. And, look, it means uh, for, for, for them that at the very least, you know, their jobs, Sean Marks' job is secured for the next five years as well because you know, the pressure is somewhat lessened because, you know, yeah. there was all, there's always going to be, you know, an expectation of like, okay, when well, these guys are going to re-sign, you know, uh, there's only, this window is only slightly open. And I guess I, I, I'll go back to the question that I sort of touched on, Nick. How do you think Kevin Durant will age? How will this contract age? And, you know, I sort of alluded to Chris Paul and some other, and, and LeBron James and other sort of guys in their mid to late 30s as, as superstars and how they're aging. Do you think Kevin Durant could do the same thing and provide a level of, of productivity uh, that could show that this contract, you know, it's going to be like, man, the Nets could be contending for championships in all the years that he's here. I really think so. I mean, I think where you see the decline would most likely be defensively. You know, it would be something where it kind of you lose some of that lateral speed and not as quick, maybe not as versatile in defending multiple positions. He has to stick to forwards a little bit more. But I think offensively, he should remain elite throughout the contract. You know, and this is not to be disrespectful to Dirk in any way, but, and you know, a, a less athletic version of Kevin Durant is very similar to Dirk. 
you know, maybe he doesn't have the same post bag, but it's something he could definitely develop. He's more skilled his with his ball. His post bag's pretty good, Nick. His post bag no. is pretty good. Yeah, it really is. I just don't want to, like, get Mavs fans. I doubt there's many listening. Just get it at me and be like, oh, well, Dirk's an all-time great, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, I know he is. Kevin Durant is probably a better all-time great, and he should be able to do more things on the court. And I think also – as he does age and maybe if he does lose a step or two, the Nets can support him with other playmakers, whoever's else on the roster, or even just more athleticism to kind of make up for some that he's lost. So I expect him to be a superstar throughout this contract. I do as well. You know, I think that's in terms of players that, you know, and athletes have defied the aging process, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, Tom Brady, have LeBron James, you know, I think Kevin Durant doesn't get enough credit for, like, right now looks like the best version of him yeah. aesthetically. You know, this isn't me, like, you know, looking at his muscles and stuff. He's a good-looking dude. He's got some nice tattoos. Uh, but in saying that, I think that he looks the – maybe it was the, the Achilles injury that allowed him to change some habits. And, or, look, again, this is just me putting stuff out there and go, okay – this is the diet that I need to do. These are the workout regimens that I need yep. to do. And, you know, we hear, like, you know, he has the same workout in terms of the shots that he takes. Um, and I think that, you know, the mileage on his body, you know, before, he's obviously had two serious injuries with the Achilles and the foot. But I don't think that we've sort of seen that his ability to recover from any form of injury is as great as any other player. And and I think that that is a, a thing as well, where it's just like, well, Kevin Rance, is he going to have like, you know, a calf injury or hamstring injuries going forward? I have confidence in him that if there are those injuries, that one, obviously the Nets organization will take care of him. But two, that when Kevin Rance does come back, he's going to be amazing. You know, we've, we've seen that time and time again. He is the best player in the league right now. And he came off the worst injury you can have in any sport, in any athletic pursuit. So... I think he's going to age pretty goddamn well. And he could be an MVP contender for at least three or four of those seasons. Um, and, and and I think the worst he goes down to is like a, a top 10 short player. You know, what Jason Tatum now. Um, I think he's going to age really gracefully. I think the defensive point, like you mentioned, is one area. But what we did see from him this season and what we've seen from him with Team USA, you know, he's playing defensive. He's, he has defensive player of the year level skills. Like he uses his wingspan really well. Uh, uh, he is an incredibly... And I think that with defense, you can make up for it with intelligence if you lose that athleticism. Yep. And there aren't many guys smarter than Kevin Rand that have stepped foot on the basketball court. So a part of me is like, well, yeah, my, his, his rotations are still going to be good because he, he just knows when to make the right decisions. And, you know, the completeness of his basketball right now, you know, that trip, the 49-point triple-double, whatever it was, um, obviously... The, the, I'm a bit caught up in the news, but he's playing like like James Harden is. Absolutely, totally complete basketball. And it's going to be fun to see how he how he does age. You know, I think he will age pretty goddamn gracefully, like a goddamn fine wine. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it all does pan out. But I'm, 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 com I'm probably as confident as you, which is saying something, because uh, that's not normally the case. I think another benefit is he's extremely light. Like, he's not a big player. He's not overweight. He's not carrying a ton of muscle. Obviously, he's in an elite shape, but he's not necessarily, like, you know, heavy. So it's less wear and tear on the joints. His body was designed to handle the weight in which he's putting the impact on. And like you said, I think that helps with recovery. And it helps with, like, the overall wear and tear on his body. So, you know, hopefully he can kind of get into the routine. And now he's got this new contract. Maybe he'll be like LeBron, invest in a million dollars a year in his body. Yeah. That's the thing. So 
We'll see how it all pans out. Um, we'll get to some other news, Nick. And the signing of DeAndre Bembry caused a bit of a stir on Nets Twitter uh, uh, before, obviously, we did hear the Kevin Durant news. What was your immediate reaction to it? And I guess now looking you know, with a fuller picture, what do you think of the Nets adding DeAndre Bembry to the roster? Obviously, we spoke of some names that we would have liked. Justice Winslow, who was choosing to sign with the Clippers for a, the taxpayer mid-level exception. Uh, Andre Godawa, obviously, the reasoning it seemed fait accompli that Golden State were going to be the team he was going to choose, and they did. Um, and obviously, a, a guy like James Ennis, who's still out there, but you know, is he, doesn't have a team at this point in time. Uh, DeAndre Bembry was a little bit of a surprise. Some people weren't necessarily happy with it. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was like kind of uh, the Nets. All right, missed out on Iggy. Let's go sign another guy who maybe can do some of the similar things he can do to an extent. I think, you know, you look at Bembry as just kind of one of those like hustle, gritty role players, has some similar traits to Bruce Brown. I wouldn't call them the same player. I think there's just some things that they do on the floor where you're like, okay, you know, this kind of reminds me of Bruce Brown to an extent, like no jumper, feels more comfortable attacking inside, likes contact at the rim. Um, I think Bembry is a pretty good passer as well. He has some like good actual ball handling. Like he's okay handling the ball. Bruce Brown, obviously, that's not de- definitely his cup of tea. I think Ben Bray can create a little bit. He's not as strong as Bruce Brown, though. I think he's uh, substantially more undersized. Uh, ben Bray seems like he's a pretty good cutter. Not sure if he's the Bruce Brown level cutter that you know we've seen this past season. But I think the Nets see some things in his game where they feel like they could utilize them in a different situation with all the elite talent they have. But also, I think it's important to remember that Ben Bray is not a guy that's probably going to be in the rotation. You know what I mean? He's going to be, you know, your third or fourth string type guy, a hustle guy. You need some energy playing, you know, guys are on load management. He's filling in a role that night and he's playing with a ton of energy. I think that's one thing that you can expect from him is like toughness, high energy plays, high effort stuff, and really no three-point shot. Uh, He's like Bruce Brown. We have hope in developing a three-point shot. James Johnson's had good three-point shooting seasons. Ben Bray's like a career 26% from three. So I think, you know, you need to know what you're getting in with him. And I don't think like by any means he's a great signing, but at the end of the day, you know, your third string guard or forward, it's not like you should really be depending on him a ton. They're minimum signings. I think that we, yeah. we, I think that the, and, and me included, you know, I think it's just like, well, the Nets signed Jeff Green to a vet minimum and he was absolutely incredible. And it's just like, we yeah. want to have, we need the Jeff Green replacement, and we haven't found that yet. James Johnson isn't that. DeAndre Bembry isn't that. Javon, Javon Carter isn't that. So that's probably the one area where it's just like, damn, we couldn't really get anyone. You know, Trevor Reese signed somewhere else. You know, Justice Winslow signed somewhere else. All these other sort of names that you sort of thought could fit that sort of role. But ultimately, those guys had other reasons that they choose to align to those other franchises. Whereas Sean Marks had to try and find value elsewhere. You know, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of it either. But like you mentioned, you know, where is he going to be in the rotation? I think the differentiating point with him and Bruce Brown is, you know, I think Bruce is a, a much more talented and capable and well-rounded offensive player in terms yep. of what he can do is like a small ball center in the short role. You know, his floater is incredible. And I think he has, like we sort of mentioned on previous episodes, to practice in that three-pointer a little bit. John Joe Bembley, I think, might be a better guard of wing type players. Um, the guys at, at the three a little bit more. You know, I think yeah, that, I think you know, Bembley's like... Couple- closer to a truer guard than Bruce Brown is. Like, I wouldn't even at this point call Bruce Brown a guard. Like, he feels more like a small forward. And, and Bruce Brown is shorter. It's funny because yep. I think he's like my height, 6'3", 6'4". The Bembers shoulders like make him look big. Oh, man, they're awesome. They're, yours are going to be like that if you keep in shoes <laughs> when you're at the gym, Nick. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to sort of see how, how he is used, how he is utilized. 
I don't hate it as a signing. There's other guys that would have rather added. Uh, this is the the complete version of the roster, at least at this point in time. But we can we'll, vet minimums are always just worth a fly, and we'll see how the season does pan out. What he can provide the team. You know, I, I think that when you have as great an offensive team as you do have. Um, you can take flyers on these defensive sort of dudes that, that might not necessarily have um, the offensive capabilities to contribute. But uh, at the end of the day, it's not the best signing in the world, but I don't think it's as bad um, as some people are making it out to be too. So I think it's just that we are, we are greedy as Nets fans. And, and I think that that is a good thing to, to want the best. And to, we've, we've had the best before, you know, we've had, like I sort of said, you know, Blake Griffin as a vet minimum, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge as a vet minimum, uh, and Jeff Green as a vet minimum. Those three guys all contributed in some form or fashion to a great extent to the Brooklyn Nets last year. Whereas what do we expect from James Johnson? What do we expect from DeAndre Bembry? Probably not the greatest uh, amount of uh, production. But, um, like I've said before, I'm happy to be proven wrong. Uh, and then the thing is, these guys play with a chip on their shoulders as well. Yeah. I think that their general personality, their grittiness, um, uh, and, you know, a, a lot of guys are like, well, we need an enforcer. I think Jordan Bembry's got a little bit of that about him as well. And one thing that filled me with a little bit of confidence is the people that covered him most recently in the Toronto Raptors and all of their beat reporters spoke pretty glowingly about him. You know, the fact that the Raptors weren't able to keep him was just like, yeah, the Nets got a good one. The Nets got a good one. And I'm just like, well, I trust the, especially the reporters that I was seeing that from, you know, they're much, much smarter basketball analysts than I am. So look, I think that maybe he, we could be surprised by DeAndre Bembry and, um, uh, maybe it's just the mood that I'm in after the Kevin Durant sign, Nick. And if we were going to do, it's funny, we were going to do a podcast either way, just on the John Bembry signing. And then like an hour later, we got the Kevin Durant signing. So, you know, we've got some bigger smiles on our faces and probably less pessimistic and less, you know, glass uh, half empty sort of style about it. But look, this is something that is not going to make the biggest impact on the roster because ultimately what is going to make the biggest impact on the roster and the net success is, the success that Kevin Durant can lead us to, the success that James Harden, Kyrie Irving can lead us to, it's the best players. And that's yep. why when people are analyzing you know, the Lakers and like, oh, they've lost all their defense, blah, 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 blah. It's just like, well, yeah, I get it. And that, and, and, and I think there are there's probably reservations you can have about the Nets and the Lakers. But ultimately, if all of their superstars are healthy, if KD, Kyrie, James Harden, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, all five of those guys are healthy at the right point in time, then they are the best teams in the league and you can't make an argument for it because this is a team driven by superstars and if you haven't watched basketball for the last couple of seasons, obviously other than this season where basically every superstar was goddamn injured, every other season it's been about being healthy at the right time, having your superstars healthy so they can lead you to success. And Kevin Durant, hopefully he leads us to success and James Harden, Kyrie Irving, same sort of thing. But hopefully also at the same time, we find a diamond in the rough like we have in the past. Hopefully a James Johnson can hit. Hopefully a Bembry can hit or a Javon Carter. One of those three would be good. Two of those three would be very good. All three would be excellent. Yeah, I want to say this. I just think people are a little bit in terms of like overreacting to the signing because at the end of the day, it's not necessarily that important. You know what I mean? Like you just said, like your top 10 players are really going to have more of an impact on what's going to happen with your season, your top eight guys. And obviously, you know, the Nets probably do have a couple holes or needs maybe they can fill, but at the end of the day, they still are the most talented roster in the NBA. So you got to take everything with kind of a grain of salt. And I think Bembray just provides just like really those high energy, high effort guys, toughness, grittiness. I will say defensively, one thing that does concern me a touch, I feel like he's a little foully. So like if he does play, that could be an issue for him. But at the end of the day, 
it's I don't anticipate him playing in the playoffs. Like I James Johnson, you could convince me could see postseason minutes. DeAndre Bembry, I just could not envision that unless something terrible happens like last season. Yeah, I think that obviously, like we sort of mentioned, there are still tools available for the Nets to get better. There's the buyout market. There's the trader player exception. You know, we have until March until we can fully assess this team. But as it is right now, there are weaknesses. You know, the rebounding isn't there. The backup center isn't there. Sean Marks, you know, made those two things a priority when he was speaking to reporters. And he didn't get those guys. Some of it was because other teams did get them. You know, Paul Millsap's still on the market. Why didn't Sean Marks go to Paul Millsap? I think criticism is still warranted. It's not the fact yeah. that, you know, two things can be true at the same time. You know, ultimately, the the, great, the greater news of Kevin Durant signing, you know, lessens the criticisms and, and lessens the need to criticize because ultimately this is a, a, a lead driven most by superstars. The most important thing, you know, but you can still go, look, it's not perfect. And I guess we can get to just grading this offseason overall, Nick, before we get to uh, the some Patty Mills news. What would you grade this offseason overall? You know, I guess taking into account the fact that Sean Marks taking all five picks, I think that maybe he had the knowledge or maybe he didn't, I don't know. But the cost control that you get from late first rounders slash second rounders, you know, and the fact that he wants the guy, those guys to contribute. Kevin Durant has said the same thing. You know, Damon Sharp and Cam Thomas, those could be guys. We need. We sort of saw this offseason and we've seen the, the playoffs that you need seven, eight guys to be able to go, okay, I want you to give me something, whether it's 10 to 15 minutes or not, whether it's the ability to hit a shot, the ability to play some defense, to give me a skill where I can have you out there. The Nets are going to need that. And right now, the reliability they have is probably four guys. But we need an extra four. You know, Bruce Brown at times, you know, four and a half, if you want to call him that. You know, Javon Carter, we don't know enough about. James Johnson, we don't know enough about. DeAndre Bembry, all these sort of guys that are in the wings of the roster. There's rookies. Nicholas Claxton obviously was outplayed in, in, in the postseason in certain matchups. Maybe Clax takes that jump. But I guess overall, Nick, what do you, you think of the offseason overall? If you were to grade it, give me a letter, a percentage. I don't know. You always like giving percentages. But I think a grade might be more appropriate here. Let's get back to some letters maybe. Yeah, I think um, you look at it from the whole. Obviously, I think you could argue it's incomplete because they still have the trade exception. We don't know what's going to happen with that and how these rookies are going to look like. Could De'Ron Sharp be the backup center? Could he get real center rotation minutes? We saw that happen with Jared Allen, you know, his rookie season. It wasn't early on necessarily, but he picked it up by midseason. He was a guy getting a lot of those minutes. And De'Ron Sharp's more NBA ready than Jared Allen yeah. was. Substantially in terms of especially like body. You know what I mean? Like his body is ready to bang and he's already bigger than NBA, some NBA centers. So he might be our best fi- rebound on the roster as well, Nick. <laughs> and that's saying something. Which yeah, isn't I a mean, good look- thing, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's just a natural rebounder. He's a very big dude, and he also has a skill of boxing out, which we talked about on the draft recap show. Be sure to check that out. That kind of highlights some of his skills, and I think you could argue that could have an impact on the grade as well. Like if Cam Thomas is really good, ready to have an impact, that's another player you have. Um, But uh, I think I'm – I mean, I guess I have to include the Kevin Durant thing. So, like, it's hard for me not to have anything that's, like, a B. You know what I mean? Maybe a B minus would be something because like, okay, they lost Jeff Green and they didn't fill the need of getting, you know, probably another 
two-way wing and getting a solid veteran big instead of DeAndre Jordan. So that's where you kind of look at the negative remarks. But then you have to also look at the spot of like, okay, they had no backup point guard. They didn't bring back Tyler Johnson and Mike James. They brought in a substantial upgrade in Patty Mills, who not only fills the lost role of Landry Shamit, but he also gives you a true backup point guard. So now like that's another add to the team. And they also doubled down on floor spacing like Patty Mills is a great three-point shooter you know we talked about some of the stats on the one of the previous shows and like this is a guy that gives you another element to this team and you're like okay maybe we can't get the things that we need but we're going to double down on offense and we're going to continue to be the most unstoppable offensive force in the NBA and I think like Patty Mills adds to that and obviously they did lose you know the guys that we mentioned before and the Spencer Dinwiddie trade wasn't necessarily ideal but I think a B minus is it's hard for me to do anything lower than that because of the Kevin Durant thing. You could easily talk me into a B plus just because of KD. I'd even hear an A minus because of the KD thing because of how long term impact. If we're just talking short term, probably more towards a B minus. We're talking long term, probably more towards an A because of Kevin Durant and also I like the rookies they got. Yeah, I think Patty Mills. I, I can't believe I forgot to put him in the rotation where it's just like a guy you can rely on for 20 minutes a night, won a championship, and despite you know his stature, you know we sort of talk about you know small guards. You, you watch him play, like, he's just tough. Quick he's hands. feisty. Quick hands. And, like, you know, when he's getting down, he's down low on a post. He's going to take a charge. He's going to, like, you know, do all those little things. And he's played in winning moments. So, you know, Patty Mills adds to that sort of playoff rotation uh, that I, you know, it's very strange to me not to remember. Guys, five guys. You'd go Patty Mills, Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Blake Griffin, I think, is a playoff player. A player. He's proven that. And then you have the guys that are maybes with Clax, Bruce Brown, Joe Harris. And then... I kind of want to say James Johnson, but I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> look, I, I, I love your optimism, Nick. And look, hopefully James Johnson proves you right. But if, if I were to, if we were to be doing this podcast and I had the same question and Kevin Wright hadn't re-signed, is it in the C's? Is it in the D's? What would it be then? Yeah, I think you'd probably have to move it to the C's because I think a C is just like, I would consider a C mediocre. Like, it's not great. It's not bad. It's just like, okay. Like, they did some good things. They did some bad things. Nothing where you can be like, okay, it's super positive. I will say the draft kind of makes me lean towards a positive because I am somewhat high on some of their picks. But we can, you know, they, I could be completely wrong and they all could suck. And maybe they're all watching the NBA. So who knows? But just based off of what I know about the picks right now, that kind of gives me a little bit more optimism for the offseason. Look, the saying goes, I don't know if it's a, it's a saying over there, but it's a saying in Australia. C's get degrees, Nick, um, when it comes to like university and stuff. So if, as long as you pass and you're doing all right. But yeah. I, I agree, I would probably give it like a, a C minus, you know, if we didn't uh, have this Kevin Rand thing, because you know, the, you're essentially replacing, you know, your best role player with uh, a guard who is an uh, incredible role player as well, you know, but you're losing a, a point of need that is an extreme need. You know, right now it's it's James Johnson, it's Kessler Edwards, it's John Red Bembley if you want to throw him into uh, that um, sort of you know positional uh, spot as well. So the Nets still have some some work to do, and there's there's still some areas um, where they aren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. They aren't you know a 1996 Bulls or a 2017 Warriors, but they aren't. I don't even think they're like a a Cleveland 2015-16 either. There's just a, a, a few gaps, or maybe they are more like that sort of team um, in terms of that they have just such substantial offensive talent um, and the defense is, isn't necessarily there, but we know what they can do defensively um, and the like. So, look, I uh, I would probably give it, you know, B, A. You know, you, uh, I, I get caught in the source um, with the, the Kevin Durant signing because ultimately... 
that's all that matters. You know, at the yep. end of the day, it's, it's do you have your superstars? And those guys make the other guys look better. Kevin Ryan's going to make some of these guys have good seasons. He made Bruce Brand look good um, in, in a lot of respects as well. You know, Kyrie did the same thing. Yeah. yeah, all of these guys, your superstars make your role players better. Can James? Can they do that with Javon Carter, DeAndre Bembry, or James Johnson? I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be this. Wouldn't be surprised either if they they have an effect on these rookies somehow. Uh, so we'll we'll have to wait and see because you know we this grade could change. It is a you know it's one that's in in pencil, not necessarily in pen uh, at this point in time. But yeah, I, I would agree. I'd give it a C minus um, if we were to be talking about this um, without uh, the Kevin Durant re-signing. But man, um, I. I get caught up. I get caught up and 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 turn into the world's greatest optimist um, when <laughs> we, we did hear that news as well. So, look, uh, I, I, is the franchise the the roster? It's it's not done yet. So let's just chill a little bit. The criticism is fine, but let's just wait it out. Now, waiting it out is not fun. You know, the uh, playing the waiting game is probably the most boring game you can play. I'd rather be on the the PS5 or playing Hungry Hungry Hippos, but. Sometimes you got to have patience. Patience is a virtue, and um, I don't have that virtue either. <laughs> I think it's also important to note that they did retain Bruce Brown and Blake Griffin. You know, there was the potential for those guys to leave. They got Blake to sign in the vet minimum. Bruce Brown took a really small contract, kind of betting on himself. So I think that's something positive you have to look at from the situation. Obviously, they didn't land, like we said, the big or the wing, and they didn't necessarily fill Jeff Green's role. You know, James Johnson might do a little bit of that, but not – the same level in which Jeff Green did. But like I kind of said to you off air, I think some of that is the Nets confidence in Nick Claxton, the strides that he can make and being a bigger part of the rotation next year and probably playing a larger chunk of minutes now having time adjusted to the NBA. We will see. And I think we might talk a little bit about more about that on the Summer League preview show um, in a couple of days' time. We've done so many podcasts this week. It's fun. Yeah. I've, been enjoying, I've been enjoying it. Hopefully everyone else has. Even um, Yeah, it's been really good. But the final thing I wanted to touch on, Nick, um, whenever there's Patty Mills news in some form or fashion, you know I'm going to bring it to the pod. Um, and some people are probably going to be annoyed by my Patty Mills obsession going forward. You know he's replacing Joe Harris. It's uh, it's it's happened already. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> making that I'm making that a thing. I'm not going to be wearing the Joe Harris shirt very often. But as soon as I get something Patty Mills, I'm going to wear it out. But Mark Stein on why Patty Mills signed in Brooklyn. This is via my next daily put out the tweet. After all his years with the Spurs, given the depth of their long-standing rivalry with the Lakers and his closest to San Antonio. San Antonio coach Greg Popovich, it was difficult in the extreme to imagine Mills choosing LA over the Nets. Uh, it's, uh, it makes you smile a little bit because we obviously have plenty of interactions with Lakers fans and we see them on Twitter and always talking their ish in some form or fashion. Do you, it, is this a surprise to you? I guess sort of looking at the, the deeper reasoning behind it. We, we know that San Antonio always has they were adamant to not trade Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers and such. And yep. I guess putting two and two together, it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I think that, and then also just the Spurs connections to the Nets. I just thought that always kind of made a lot of sense. You know, Sean Marks literally knows Patty Mills. They spent time together in San Antonio and even Thiago Splitter, like that's another guy. And then I'm sure there's probably, there might be a few more guys from the organization that maybe we don't know about that work in the front office or something like that too. So I think just the connections and like you said, you know, that being something I didn't necessarily think of it because you do see guys, you know, I just Ray Allen pops to mind leaving the Celtics and going to sign with the Heat after facing the playoffs year after year. So it's not something that instantly popped in my mind, but just the spur connection to it all and the Nets connection to the Spurs that always made sense in my head. 
Yeah, and I, I think also we heard Greg Popovich after the game sort of say, like, you know, the you know jubilation of, of, of making the gold medal game was, you know, somewhat replaced by when he saw Paddy Mills so despondent you know, and why he gave him such a big hug. It's just like it was complicated feelings for him. So I, I've mentioned before that, you know, the the ties that those two have is, is bigger than basketball. And, yep. you know, it would not have surprised me if, if Pop was just like, Paddy, you, I don't think you want to go here, my guy. And, and maybe he actually did have a conversation with him because ultimately the signing happens, you know, a couple of days ago. And he's in the same environment, you know, the, the same Olympic village. You know, the, those guys are allowed to, yep. you know, the, the, whatever, the, the conversations that could have happened. Um, I'm sure Paddy Mills trusts Greg Popovich's opinion um, and, and on, on so many different things. So um, I, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I mean, it, I think the connection to Greg Popovich is really there. Like, that's something that really kind of, like, you see physically, like, they're them hugging after the game and stuff like that. And you think the element of them all being at the Olympics, too, is definitely something. So I'm really excited to see what Patty Mills does in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. You kind of feel like you're getting the extra hyped. <laughs> so it's just kind of like another added element. Absolutely. But we've got another pod to do very, very soon, Nick. And yep. it's it's going to be summer league stuff. And we're seeing photos from there as well. So excited to get into some of the Rook stuff. I'm going to feel like Kanye on that goddamn crane on, and stuff and floating into the air when I see Cam Thomas hit his first shot. Yeah, uh, I feel you. I mean, it, it is really exciting to see some of these young guys. I'm sure we're going to be overhyped about them a little bit too much. But like you said, we'll be dropping that summer league preview this weekend at some point. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, to everybody, for listening. And enjoy that Kevin Durant extension.